Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Tony Ria. Well, once again, good morning. Welcome to Community Christian Church on this very first Sunday of the new year. And as you've already heard a couple of times, not only is it a brand new year, but it's a brand new decade. 2020. Can I get you to say that? One more time. 2020. Now, when you say that or when you hear that, 2020, what's the first thing that comes to mind? I think this was Pastor Dan was getting to. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? 2020 vision. Absolutely. And with the exception of the nonconformist type, I would be willing to bet that 99.9% of all pastors and business executives will leverage the whole 2020 vision concept sometime during this calendar year. Here at our church, we're going to begin the year with it. Because I believe that 2020 has the potential to be a very promising and pivotal year. Personally, I love the start of the new year. I always have. Uh, In my mind, it gives us the opportunity, if need be, to wipe the slate clean and to start over, to start fresh. And some of you couldn't wait to get 2019 in the history books. I mean, as far back in the rearview mirror as you could get it. For others, 2019 was a good year, maybe even a great year. Whatever the case might be for you, rarely do we get a year with a special number like 2020. And when I look back 10 years from now or even 20 years, God willing, I want to be able to say I made 2020 count. That it wasn't just another year, it was an extremely significant year. Oh, 2020? That was the year when I finally surrendered my secrets and my strongholds to God. That was the year when I opened my heart wide to the gospel message and finally let go of some things that have held me back for years and years. Oh, oh, 2020? That was the year that I decided to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Not just my God, but my Lord and my God. And it all starts with 2020 vision. Now, according to the research, the majority of people who hear an optometrist tell them that they have 2020 vision automatically think they have perfect vision. Like if they don't need glasses or contacts, then their eyes must be perfect and they're better than everybody else. Well, I hate to burst your prideful bubble, but having 20-20 vision does not mean that you have perfect vision. It means you have normal vision, that you can see what the average person can see at a distance of 20 feet. Is when you go to the doctor and you get an eye exam, he or she will typically use the Snellen eye chart. You ever hear of that? Should be on the screen behind me. Thank you, doc. A couple of optometrists right here. The Snellen eye chart has 11 lines of of block letters decreasing in size as you make your way down the chart. If you can clearly make out the eighth line on the Snellen eye chart, that means you have 20-20 vision. 
and you can see what the normal person can see from 20 feet away. Now, the sixth line is 2040 vision, and that's what you need to get a driver's license. If you can see the 11th line perfectly clear without any eyeglasses or any support of any kind, then you and Superman have the same vision, <laughs> like 2010. And if you can only see the, three, the, the first three or four lines, then obviously you need a little bit of help. You need to go and get some specs. And by the same token, having 2020 spiritual vision, which is what this series is all about, doesn't necessarily mean you are a perfect Christian and that you're better than everyone else. It simply means that you have a desire to see clearly and to gain additional insight when it comes to spiritual matters. And let me just share this from my heart. As we begin 2020, as we enter into this new year, I can't think of a higher priority for believers than to desire insight and wisdom. To have 2020 vision for the future, it's absolutely critical these days. We have to have it. We have to have discernment. We have to have insight. We have to know what's taking place in the spirit realm. And making that kind of statement reminds me of the miracle healing of Bartimaeus that took place in the Gospel of Mark. As you know, Bartimaeus was blind. And every day his family members would drop him off on the same road leading outside the city of Jericho. And he would sit there all day long with a cup in his hand or a sign begging for money. It's the only way he could survive. And one day Jesus passed by. But not only Jesus, a great crowd of people, the scripture tells us. And they were all pressing on Jesus. They all wanted something from him. And when Bartimaeus heard the commotion, didn't see it, was blind. When he heard it, he asked what's going on. And they told him, Jesus is in town. And that's when he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he would not stop. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. They told him to be quiet and to hold his peace, but he wouldn't do it. And with that great crowd around him, Jesus heard Bartimaeus' cries. And he stopped and had the people bring Bartimaeus before him. And he said, Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? You know, when I read those verses, I always chuckle to myself. I, it's pretty obvious, right? I mean, he's blind. But he wanted Bartimaeus to say it. He said, what's the one thing I can do for you? And Bartimaeus says, I need my sight. I want vision. I want to be able to see. And friend, if that's your desire in the spirit realm, I believe that God will grant that for you. And that's what Jesus did. He gave Bartimaeus his sight. We need to have a sharp vision in the spirit realm these days. And so let's look at a couple of Bible verses here in Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 12. This is Paul the Apostle writing. He said, not that I have already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, he said, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on 
toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Verse 15. All of you who are mature should take such a view of things, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Now the message says it this way, same passage. Again, Paul talking, don't get me wrong, by no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal, those of you who want everything God has for us. How many of you are in that number? Those of you who want everything that God has for us. I know I sure do. And if any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. What's God going to do? He's going to clear your vision and give you 2020 vision. In other words, he's going to provide for you corrective lenses. And with your spiritual glasses or more fashionable contacts in place, Paul says the very first action or activity that you need to involve yourself in is to put the past behind you. To let bygones be bygones and to receive freedom from your past. Paul said, if you're wanting a 2020 vision, if you want God to correct the blurred vision that you might have, the very first thing you need to do is get beyond the past. You will never achieve your spiritual destiny if you continue to focus in on your past history. I'm going to repeat that again. T.D. Jakes said that. You will never achieve your spiritual destiny if you continue to focus in on your past history. And guess what? Everyone has a history. No exceptions. Baggage from the past. Things that you've said, things that you've done and been involved in that you're not proud of. We all have that. Including Paul the Apostle. Or should I say Saul of Tarsus? Because before he was Paul, he was Saul. And when giving testimony of his life in the book of Acts, here's what Paul wrote in Acts chapter 22, beginning with verse 4. Paul said, I persecuted the followers of the way, or Christian believers, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women and throwing them in prison. This is Paul. The high priest and the whole council of elders can testify that this is so. For I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the followers of the way from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. Paul continues in verse 19. I imprisoned and beat those who believed in Jesus, and I was in complete agreement when Stephen was killed. I stood by and kept the coats they took off when they stoned him to death. Paul says, in all reality, that was my doing. I was the one who authorized the stoning of Stephen. And the Bible describes Stephen as a good man, a godly man, a wonderful Christian man. He operated in the wisdom and power of God. He he performed miraculous signs and wonders among the people. In fact, the scripture says that when he spoke, when he taught, it was as if you heard the voice of an angel. And it was Paul who gave the green light 
to have Stephen stoned to death, murdered in cold blood without mercy. How would you like that on your resume? Among the past things that you've done. Again, this was Paul, one of the greatest apostles of the Christian faith that had to live with those memories. That's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 9, Paul said, for I am the least of all of the apostles, and I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He carries on and continues in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 8. Paul says, I am less than the least of all the saints, not just the apostles, but all the saints, less than, the worst. Paul said, if you look at my past, I am by far the scum of the whole earth. I have done some things that I am not proud of. And without a doubt, my past history would disqualify me from service and ministry in every other religion than Christianity. However, in Philippians chapter 3, the passage that we just read, Paul introduces us to the grace of God. The amazing grace of God. Now I'm talking about a grace that is sufficient for us in all things, a power that's made perfect in weakness, especially in weakness. And Paul said, I certainly don't want to give you the wrong impression. I'm paraphrasing Philippians 3. And I'll be the first one to admit that I am far from perfect. But this one thing I do, this one thing I have perfected, and that's putting the past behind me. Forgetting about the past. And Paul said that statement, he made that statement with great conviction. He said, if there's one thing I've learned, one thing that I've worked on over and over again, time and time again, this issue's come up, and I refuse to compromise on this. I will not take the guilt and shame bait that the enemy is always serving up. Paul said, I can't do it, I will not do it. And from a human perspective, since it's so difficult for us to get past our own faults and failures, the only way that Paul was able to do that, the only way that Paul could perfect this whole concept of putting the past behind him and letting it go was to acknowledge the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Just what we were singing about all during our worship time. And accepting the truth that the God we serve is a forgiving God. That he does not hold our sins against us. And this same exercise and activity is paramount in the life of every believer, especially those who have a desire for 2020 vision. We absolutely have to conclude that the God we serve is a good God, regardless of what we go through in this life. He's a caring, loving, forgiving God. And Paul got to that place, the only way he could go on. But he wasn't the only one. David believed it as well. In fact, he believed it with all of his heart, even before the truth was revealed through, uh, through Jesus. In Psalm 103, verses 8 through 11, David wrote, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. 
He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high, check this out, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear or reverence him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions or sins from us. Please see with me. God removes our sins. Can I get you to say that? God removes our sins. One more time like you believe it. God removes our sins. They are not in his recollection. And if he's willing to grace us with that kind of amnesty and forgiveness, why are we carrying around this junk, this past baggage, like it's the most precious thing on the face of the whole earth? The Bible clearly says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross, the Bible also declares that God has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness, translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, and what else? Forgiveness of sins. What a gift that God has given to us. Because of the blood of Jesus, we have forgiveness of sins. If God forgives our sins, and the scripture says he does, if he cleanses us from all unrighteousness, and the scripture says he does, If he's not willing to hold our faults and failures against us, they're not in his recollection, and the scripture says that's the case, don't you think it's time for us to follow his lead and get on the other side of all that shame and guilt? I think it's high time for us to do that. Paul says it's the only way. It's the only way to clear a blurred vision and to have corrective vision, 20-20 vision. The very first thing you have to do is get in front of your past. Now I want to tell you one more story and then we're going to receive communion together. What I'm going to tell you about took place about a year and a half ago on September the 6th, 2018, when a Dallas, Texas police officer, a policewoman by the name of Amber Geiger, put in a 14-hour shift helping the SWAT team apprehend three armed robbers. After working that entire day, 14-hour day, she went home, she got home about 10 o'clock that night, and she did the same thing that she does every time that she comes home. She parked her pickup truck on the third floor of the parking garage, which was located alongside of her apartment complex. She then left her truck, went to her apartment. When she got to the apartment door, She noticed it was unlocked. When she opened it, she saw a man that she did not recognize in her kitchen. Thinking the man had broken into the kitchen, uh, into her apartment, and uh, was trying to rob her or even worse, hurt her, she pulled her gun and shot the man in the chest. The man that she shot was later identified as Botham Jean, and he died on the way to the hospital. He died of his gunshot. Well, come to find out, 
Amber didn't park her truck on the third floor of the parking garage. She mistakenly parked on the fourth floor. And so when she went to her apartment that night, she was on the wrong floor. So the man that she thought was in her apartment was actually in his own apartment. And he was completely innocent. And she opened fire on an innocent man and killed him. Well, as a result, she was arrested and she was convicted of murder. And at her sentencing trial, the brother of the victim, a man by the name of Brant, did an amazing thing. He extended to this policewoman, the woman who shot his brother, a whole lot of mercy. He gave her a message that no one could believe. And he basically said, if my brother were here, I know that from his heart he would forgive you. And so if my brother would forgive you, then I'm going to forgive you. He said, I don't wish you any harm. I don't want anything bad to happen to you. As a person, I love you. And after getting permission from the judge, he went over and actually embraced the defendant, the one who shot his brother. Well, when the judge saw all of this happening, the one that was presiding over the, the hearing, a gal by the name of Tammy Kemp, she was moved emotionally, and she couldn't hold back the tears. And then she did something that she had never done in her 30-year career as a judge and a prosecutor. After she dismissed the jury, she went over to the defendant herself and embraced her. She hugged the defendant. And during that little moment that they were having there, Amber, the defendant, asked Tammy, the judge, a question. She said, do you think that God can forgive me? She said, I know that the man I shot's brother has forgiven me, and I'm so appreciative of that. But I killed an innocent man. I sent a man to his grave that didn't deserve to die. Do you think that God could ever forgive me for that? And the judge responded and said to her, yes. She said, you haven't done so much that you can't be forgiven. You did something bad, but now what you do hereafter is what counts the most. And then the judge gave her a Bible and said, why don't you start with John 3.16, where God explains how much he loves us. Now, that story I just told you went viral. And there were some people that complained. I mean, what else is new? Um, they were upset. They thought the judge acted inappropriately. I thought that she gave compassion and mercy when it was needed. I commend the judge for what she did. She told a repentant, remorseful murderer the truth. She said, you haven't done so much that you can't be forgiven. What a powerful statement. That's the gospel and everything that I'm trying to communicate to you this morning. You haven't done so much that God can't forgive you. Let's bow our heads for prayer.
Father, we're so thankful for your presence that we sense in this place this morning. You are a good God, and you know precisely what each one of us need. We thank you, Lord, that you sent your son to die on the cross, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. You had us in mind, Lord, from the very beginning of creation until this moment. And as we begin a new year, Lord, as we look to make this year count, so that in the future, when we look back on 2020, we could say, now that was a year. So many significant things happened that year. That was the year that I finally gave my life to God. It starts with us getting beyond the past, letting go of the past once and for all, not finding ourselves on the side or the continuum of, sh of guilt and shame where the enemy continually hounds us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would gift us, each one of us, with an idea today, with an understanding and a revelation of how much you love us, so much that you forgive us, Lord. You don't hold anything against us. Our sins are gone. They're washed away. And as the psalmist said, when you wash, Lord, we're whiter than snow. Move in the closing moments of this service, Lord, I pray, through this special song that we're going to do, through the communion time. Lord, I pray that you would do some work in our hearts that has been needed to be done for a long, long time. Do it, Lord, by the power of your spirit. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to work in our hearts. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. be seated. Scripture says it was on the night Jesus was betrayed that he took bread and after giving thanks he broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after supper it ended, he took the cup and again he gave thanks. He passed the cup to his disciples and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you declare the Lord's death till he comes. Now, every month during our communion service, you hear me repeat that little narrative. And whenever I start the communion service off, I'm purposely aware of the way the Holy Spirit conveyed it to us. It starts off by saying on the night Jesus was betrayed. On the night he was betrayed. Not the night that he was arrested. Not the night that he was falsely accused or even the night before his death. We have the information very directly and very clearly that it was on the night Jesus was betrayed. And that night that Jesus was betrayed, he knew full well who his betrayer was. It was Judas. And yet, on that occasion, that night, those hours leading up to his horrific death on the cross, Jesus treated his betrayer 
with the same amount of love and the same amount of kindness that he showed to the other 11 disciples. First, he invited them to dinner. He invited Judas to dinner to celebrate the Feast of Passover. And not only did he spend time with all of the disciples, sharing with them intimate details about what was to come. If you remember with me, before dinner started, he washed their feet. And Jesus washed his betrayer's feet. But to top it all off when you read the story, and when you understand what must have been going through Jesus' mind, because he mentions it to the disciples, not only did he invite him to dinner, not only did he share intimate times with him, not only did he wash his feet, but he extended to Judas the bread and the cup. In other words, he offered him, even knowing he was going to betray him, the opportunity to enter into a covenant relationship with him. I read that and I say, my gosh, how could he do that? Can you imagine? You see, Jesus operating as the Son of God was already in forgiveness mode and extending to Judas the judgment he deserved. Instead of doing that, he showed him mercy and he showed him grace. And he was forgiving him even before he did what he was about to do. You know what that tells me? If Judas is going to be invited to a communion meal, a covenant meal, and Jesus is going to allow him to participate, then that tells me that every single one of us are eligible for this covenant meal today. No exceptions. We all have been invited by God himself. This is how much he loves us. This is how much he cares about us. He has invited us to participate in covenant with him. And covenant by definition, God is saying, all that I am and all that I have belongs to you. And I extend to you my greatest gifts, including my love, my compassion, my mercy, my forgiveness. And the only prerequisite that I can find in all this is repentance. We just have to repent. We just have to say, God, I'm sorry. I already quoted John, 1 John 1, 9, which says that when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, you haven't done so much that God can't forgive you. You haven't done so much that God can't forgive you. And I've repeated that over and over again in these last few minutes because people just can't get past their mistakes. If there's one thing that I've learned being involved in a church community for, for a long time, many, many years, the past keeps coming back. Somehow Satan brings that past up and we just can't seem to get by. And Paul says, you want 2020 vision? You want a spiritual vision that removes all the blurriness and all of the uncertainty? You have to get beyond the past. So could I ask you to just bow your heads for a moment, close your eyes? 
some serious business that needs to be taken care of this morning and the Holy Spirit of God is here to do it for you. This year, 2020 can be different. This can be the greatest year of your life. And again, I love that number. It's a special number. I'm wondering how many of you would be willing to surrender your secrets, your strongholds, your shortcomings to God. That you would just acknowledge them before the Lord. Can I tell you that God already knows about your secrets? They're, they're not a secret to Him. They may be your secret, but they're not His. All He's asking for you to do is to bring it up in front of Him. That's the best thing that we can do when we're in a place where we shouldn't be, is just to acknowledge it and say, God, I surrender these things to you. What a powerful freedom there is in having so much trust and faith in God that you know that his forgiveness is unfailing. He will not hold your sins against you. They are not part of his recollection as far as the east is from the west. He's removed them. It's time for you to remove them from your mind. Could you surrender those things to God this morning? And then I'm wondering how many might be here, and again, just close your eyes, please. How many might be here that you know you're not right with God? And you know as we enter this new year, you have to get right with him. I mean, it's in your heart already. I'm just confirming what you already know to be true. And you would say, Tony, I just want to give my life to God. I've never made a full commitment. I, I've gone to church. I know the gospel, but I, I've never really surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If that's you, could I just get you to slip your hand? I, I know you're there. God knows it. Could you just slip up your hand, put it back down? Right, there's two. Anyone else? These, this is a Thank you in the back. It's a powerful moment. You're starting the new year off, 2020, saying, Lord, I'm giving my life to you. I'm entrusting my life and my future into your hands. Could you do that? Anyone else? Father, we thank you for the three hands. Oh, the fourth one there. Thank you very much. See that hand. Father, we thank you for the four hands. Any other hands that I missed? Any other people, Lord, who are here today? just didn't have the courage to raise their hand. But Lord, they know. Extend your powerful forgiveness grace to each and every person, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this first Sunday of the new year, this dramatic, significant time where you reminded us that we haven't done so much to walk outside of your forgiveness grace. Minister, Lord, during these final communion moments, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's take the communion emblems together. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.